and open your Bibles to John chapter 1 today. John chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let us bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for the songs we've been able to sing. And God, I pray that they have been a, a sound that was pleasing to your ears. Uh, Father, I, I pray that our worship and our praise is, is pure this morning, that that even now, if there's anything that stands between us and our ability to worship you at our best, God, you'd help us to forsake those sins and uh, to get our hearts and minds directed upon you uh, completely. Father, I ask that you would please be with me as I preach. And God, I, I have the words here before me, but I know that there's no power in my words. There's no power uh, to change lives or to convict hearts in uh, the things that I say and or in the, the words that I may speak, but God, I know that the power to change lives and to make a difference in the lives of those that are here, I know that only comes from you. And I pray that right now, as our hearts are lifted towards you, as our, our focus is on you, and as we open your word, I pray that your spirit would have the freedom to move and to work in each and every heart here today. God, I pray that if there's any here this morning that don't know you as Savior, that you'd show them your truth, show them their need for you. And God, for those that have, Lord, that you would help us to, uh, to commit ourselves to you, lead us in the, the way that you would go, uh, correct things that need to be corrected, or just give leadership and encouragement in the things uh, where we need those. And Father, we're just so thankful for all that you've done. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're looking at the light. Now last week we looked at uh, the Word, or the Word of God. And uh, we're, we're looking at uh, John chapter 1, and uh, we're talking about how John is introducing Jesus to uh, the readers of his book. So last week he introduced Jesus as, uh, as the Word, first of all. And that was the main focus of our, our message last week. We also mentioned that he called him the Maker, that he was the one that, uh, that made all things. All things were made by him. Who? The Word. And, uh, and it says, without Him was not anything made that was made. We also saw that, uh, that the Word was the life of men. He, he came to be the life, and that the life is the light. So we looked at a couple of different, about four different uh, names or, or ways to identify Jesus uh, last week. And then we see where John comes back to that thought of him being the light. He, he hangs on to this for a little bit. And that's where our focus is going to be today on Jesus being not only the word, not only the maker, not only the source of all life, but that he is the light. And more specifically, he is the light of men. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. 
Now, as we said, the first few verses of, of John uh, focus us on introducing Jesus to us as the words we said. In these verses, John focuses on presenting him as the light. Now, the contrast between darkness of light and, and light is found in many places. If I mean, anywhere that you look or read, there's always a battle between good and evil. There's always, you know, darkness versus light. And uh, I don't know how many comic book people we have in here. I'm not one of them, but you may have some in here that have read comic books or are big into comic books. And, uh, and there's always some, you know, some allusion to, uh, you know, there being a, uh, you know, a light or, or good and versus darkness or evil. Philosophy talks a lot about light and darkness. And, you know, there's all kinds of different things. You watch television and you're always going to have a good guy and there's always going to be a bad guy. It, it just helps set up the plot a little bit better. And so we have all these, these places and all these ways that we see uh, the comparison or the contrast between light and darkness. And uh, we find it in religion. We find it in philosophy. We, we find it all over the place. Therefore, as we approach these verses this morning, it is imperative, it is so important that we speak of Jesus as we speak of him being the light, that we're not only talking about the struggle between good and evil or truth versus lies or right versus wrong, nor are we simply pointing to Jesus as a great teacher who brought enlightenment to a deceived world. That is not the focus of what we're saying here. You see, Jesus did not come to be a light. Jesus came to be the light. And that's what we're getting at here. We are talking about the ultimate manifest, uh, manifestation of, of God and His glory and His truth and His goodness and His holiness. I mean, we're, we're saying that Jesus was the light. He is the light who came to present the truth to show people the way so that they might be able to have real life. Now that's who we're talking about this morning. Not just another guy. Not just another teacher, not just another religious icon. We're talking about the light this morning. We're going to look at three things about the light today. And and the first thing we find here in these verses is that there was a representative of the light. And his name was John. We see that in verses 6 through 9. Now, in John's day, there were many who placed a large emphasis on John the Baptist. And as we read these verses, it'll say there was a man named John... Uh, and this gets a little confusing because you look at the top of the page and it says the Gospel of John. All right, but these are two different Johns. So we have the Apostle John, who we're not going to meet until a little bit later on. We have the Apostle John who's writing about John the Baptist. And so in verse 6, when it says John, we're, we're speaking about John the Baptist here. So anyway, in, in John's day, John the Apostle's day, uh, there was a big emphasis on John the Baptist and his baptism. As a matter of fact, many were even looking to John as the Christ and thought that he was the Messiah. Jesus even said at one point, he said, if John had come to you, and, and if you thought he was the Messiah, you would have accepted him, but you've rejected me. And so there was a large following of John. We even find later on in the book of Acts where a guy named Apollos comes, and the only thing he knows is John's baptism. And, and so he's got some of the truth, but... But there was such an emphasis on John at that time and people believing that uh, that John may have been the Messiah or may have been uh, the Christ, as, as we would call him. And so there was this large emphasis. But John, the author here, makes sure to present a sharp contrast between Jesus and John the Baptist. He wants people to know right up front, listen, who I'm talking about is not John the Baptist. 
I'm talking about Jesus who came after him. Jesus Christ. I think it's very interesting. We, we talked about some of those words last week where it says the word uh, that in the beginning was the word. The word was. Uh, the fact that we're, we're talking about all the way back in, in the beginning, he's already existed. The, the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is eternal from the beginning. That he is eternal. If you'll notice here, it says uh, in verse 1 that Jesus was. But look in, in verse 6, it says that there was a man, a man sent from John, or, or sent from God whose name was John. So Jesus was, but John came. Jesus is the Word, as we find in verse 1, but in verse 6 we see that John was just a man. In verse 1 we find that Jesus is God, but in verse 6 we see that John was just one who was sent by God. And so there's a, you know, there's a large focus here on us understanding and all the readers understanding that John the Baptist was a great man and a great teacher and a great minister of God, but he was not the light. He was not the truth. And that's what we find here in these verses. Now, here's what John did come to do. He didn't come to be the light, but he came to represent the light before all men. His job was simple. It was to preach the truth and to point people to Jesus. And a little bit later on, we'll see where John the Baptist just does exactly that. Jesus comes on the scene, and what does he do? He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And so he begins pointing people towards Jesus and preaching the truth of the kingdom of God. Now, I want us to look at a couple of things about this John who came. As we look in verse 6, it says, uh, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Let's look at a couple of things about him. Verse 7, first of all, we see that he came to be a witness. He came to be a witness. Now, a witness is someone who gives a testimony. If we were going to a court system and uh, someone was being tried and uh, they were on trial, what you would do is you would try to pull in witnesses that would either, either testify for or in favor of this person or testify against them. But the whole purpose of these witnesses coming in is to give their personal testimony of the experiences that they've had with this person or what they know. And and so they come in as a testimony or a witness to the truth. Well, what it says here about John is that he came to testify of the light. He wasn't the light. But he came to give a testimony, a witness of the light, or in other words, to share the truth that he knew about the light or about the Christ. And at first he didn't know a whole lot, but we find a little bit later on he's able to see who Jesus is. And and when he finds out who Jesus is, and when he knows for sure that this is the Christ, he does all he can to begin decreasing himself so that Christ could increase. Begin pointing as many people towards Jesus as he possibly could. And so he came to be a a testimony or a witness. John was to share with others what he knew about Jesus. That's what it means by him being a witness. Now it says in verse 7 that not only did he come to be a witness, but he was sent so that others would believe. Let's look at verse 7. It says the same came for a witness to do what? Bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Or let's say it this way. To bear witness of the light so that all men might believe on him, might believe the light. The mission of John the Baptist was to lead people to faith in Jesus. And when they came to faith in Jesus, guess what he did? He baptized them. 
And then he taught them how to follow Jesus and how to, uh, you know, and led them into a disciple relationship with Christ. You know, that's exactly what God's called us to do today. As a matter of fact, we have decided as a church that our goal and our mission as a church is, number one, to see people brought to to faith in Jesus Christ. But when they're brought to faith in Christ, we want three things to begin happening. First of all, we want to see them identified with Christ through baptism. And so we want to get them baptized as soon as they believe in Jesus. Then we want them to get invested in discipleship. And so we're going to start teaching them how to follow Christ. We're leading them into a disciple relationship with the Lord so that in turn later on they can get ignited in ministry. Once they've grown up in the Lord and once they're ready to go out and and to do the same, they're going to get ignited in ministry and start sharing the gospel with other people. So guess what? We can, once they get saved, help them to be identified with Christ in baptism, get them invested in discipleship and see them ignited in ministry and just go on and on and on. I think that's what the Great Commission tells us to do, isn't it? To teach them to observe the commandments of Christ also. And so we find here that John's mission was to lead people to Jesus, to baptize them, and then eventually he would push them on into a disciple relationship with the Lord. Now, as we read in verse 7, it says that John was not the light. I think we've established this. He wasn't the light, but he was sent to reflect and represent the light of Jesus to the world. I don't know how many of you enjoy doing this, but one thing that I always like to do, I've always enjoyed doing, was just going out and uh, and just staring at the moon. And just looking at it, namely because you can't go out and stare at the sun. But you can go out and stare at the moon, and there's always different phases of the moon. But one of the things that I found very interesting, I still think it's so interesting how it does this. I mean, it's just this huge rock floating up there. But... The fact that, as I'm sure you all know, the light, that the moon gives no light of itself. Like there is no, there's no light coming out of the moon whatsoever. What the moon does, in, I guess in relationship to how the world is, you know, in front of the, in front of the moon or, or whatever. But, but what the moon does is it reflects the light of the sun. And so all night long, When we're in pitch black darkness all night long, we have a representative of the sun that's telling everybody here, don't worry, the sun's still around, right? It it hasn't left altogether. It, It is still there. There is light still shining in darkness even when everything around looks dark. And and on certain nights you can go out and the moon's bright enough that it can even light up quite a bit of the area that you're standing in. Even through all that darkness that we're in, that moon is there to represent and reflect the light of the sun. You know, that's what John's ministry was to do. And I believe that's what our ministry is as well. That's that's what our purpose on this world. We're not the light. Understand that. Now, a little bit later on, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. But here's the thing. We're not the capital L light like we find here. We are not the light. But what we are is we are representatives of the light. And depending on how much the world gets in between us and the sun, 
the S-O-N sign, depending on how much the world gets in between us, it's going, to, it's going to determine how much of a light that we are in this world or to the people around us. But what God wants is that the more we walk with Him and the more that we spend time with Him and the closer we get to Jesus Christ, we want to see less and less and less of the world in our lives and more and more and more of the light shining to other people. He has sent us and left us to be a reflection and a representative of the light of the world, who is, of course, Jesus Christ. Now, the ministry of John the Baptist was unique to him. But like John, I want you to know that we are here to reflect the light of Christ. 2,000 years have come and gone, but the Word who was still is. That's so important for us to get He wasn't just the Word then. He's the Word now. He is the Word. And He is the light. Jesus is still the Word. He's still the life. And He is still the light of men. Now, jump jump on with me down in verse 8. Talking about John the Baptist, it says, He was not that light. He wasn't Jesus. Jesus was the light. But He was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, look at verse 9. Now, it's talking about Jesus That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So Jesus is the true light. Now what is so interesting is that everything that we've looked at in John so far, everything that we talked about has all been written in a past tense. We say that Jesus was. Right? Y'all remember that? We said that, uh, that the world was made. We said that John came or John was sent. And everything has been dealing with the past time. But I want you to look in verse 9. When it starts talking about the light, it says that was the true light, which look at this, which lights, not past, which lights present time, every man that comes into the world. I want you to know something. Jesus was the Word from the beginning. He still is the Word. He's always going to be the Word. Jesus was the light. But here's what we find. Not only was He the light that came in darkness then, but He is still the light of men today. It says that presently, right now, and continuously, He will keep on being the light to every man that comes into the world. You know what that means for us? That means that our testimony of Jesus is still true today because He is still the true light. He is still shining truth today. Jesus is still changing lives today. I know because I'm seeing Him do it. He is still changing lives today. He's still saving souls today. He is the everlasting light who was sent to give everlasting life. That's who Jesus is. Now we have the representative of the light. And I think we've we've seen this morning that we are also to be a representative of the light of Christ. But the next thing I want you to see is the rejection of the light. We find that as we read verses 10 and 11. It says in verse 10, He was in the world and the world was made by Him. But look at this, the world knew Him not. As we found back in verse 5, if you'll jump up to verse 5 with me there, it says the light shines in darkness. So who is the light? 
Three people knew it was Jesus. Let's try to say it all together. Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. That's better. Jesus is the light. It says the light shined in the darkness, but look at this. The darkness comprehended or received him not. That's the same as saying he came into darkness, but the darkness rejected him. I remember we were talking about Kylie last week when, when I go in and flip the light on her and, and uh, she shields her eyes and, and pulls the covers over her head. And that's exactly what it means, that Jesus came into the world and came to present the light that he truly was. But when he came into the world, the world rejected him. The world shielded their eyes and they're still doing the same today. So we found in verse 5 that the world has rejected him. And we see here in these verses that he, the light, it says that he was in the world and the world did not know him. The world did not know him. Verse 10 says he was in the world and the world was made by him. He was the creator. But the world knew him not. A couple years ago I heard a song. Uh, it's around Christmas time. I know it's a little early for Christmas this year. But there's a song that was sung around Christmas time, and evidently it's an old song. I looked it up, and I thought it was new, but it's an old, old song. And you've probably, some of you have probably heard it before. I hadn't until the last couple of years. But uh, the, the name of the song is um, it, it's Sweet Little Jesus Boy. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but let, let me read a couple of the lyrics to this. Because it was so, such a power. I sat there just crying like a baby in my office uh, listening to this song. And I just, want you to, I just want to read a couple of the lyrics here, not the whole thing, but... It says this, says, sweet little Jesus boy, born in a manger. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you were. We didn't know you came to save us all, to take our sins away. Our eyes were blind, we did not see. We didn't know who you were. It goes on to say, you know, it goes to another verse about who he is and what he came to do. And at the very end, instead of, instead of saying we didn't know who you were, it says we didn't know it was you. How sad that Jesus, the Son of God, the Word, the life, the light, came into the world, lived among men, and the world did not even acknowledge Him. I believe that verse 10 summarizes the greatest tragedy of human history. Sums it all up in one verse. The greatest tragedy in our history as human beings is verse 10 where it says that He, the light, the Word, the life, the Maker, the Creator, God, was in the world. The world had been made by Him and the world knew Him not. I want you to know that word world there. It says he was in the world. The word world there is not talking about the earth. It's not talking about the physical creation itself. It's talking about mankind. Jesus came to us. He came to us. And the world did not know him. You may say the greatest tragedy in human history is the fall. The garden where Adam and Eve first ate the fruit and first sinned. Because if that had not happened, 
then we wouldn't be in the situation we are today. You may say the, the greatest tragedy of human history is where Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of all mankind. You may look through the church history and say, no, the greatest tragedy in history is when so many Christians were martyred and killed for their testimony of Jesus Christ. But I want to let you know that those things were bad. Those things were bad. But listen, though the fall was bad, we have to understand that God made a way back. The cross was terrible, but God made salvation possible. Persecution was bad, but those people are going to live again. But the greatest tragedy of human history is this, that the Savior came to the world, and the world refused to acknowledge Him. You see, because at that moment, When we refuse to acknowledge and refuse to receive, then all the good that Jesus came to do is canceled out for that person. Until they receive, until they believe. We see not only did the world reject Him, but we see the Creator was rejected by His own creation. Verse 11 It says, He came into His own, and His own received Him not. Now, verse 11 kind of echoes what verse 10 says, but it's on a more local scale. When we look at verse 11, we have two phrases here that I want us to pay attention to. If you'll look, first of all, first phrase it says, He came into His own. Alright, the the words His own there uh, means His own house. He came to His own house or His own domain. But if you read the rest of that, it says, and his own, this is a little different. The first has to do with house or domain. The second one has to do with people, his own ones, his own people received him not. So he came to his own house, he came to his own domain, and his own people would not receive him. Now, this is what's so interesting. When Jesus came to the world, he did not show up at some random time in some random country. But Galatians chapter 4 says that when the fullness of time was come, at the exact appointed time of the Father, the Son came. And he was made as a man. He was made of a woman. And he was made under the law. What law? The Jewish law. Why? That he might redeem them who are under the law. Now, here's where it gets interesting. You see, Jesus was not born at just any country. He came for the whole world, but He didn't come to just some random country. Who did He come to? He came to the nation of Israel. What was His nationality? He was a Jew. To whom had He been promised all those years before? He was promised to Israel. But here's what it says in verse 11. It says that He came into His own. He came to His own house, the house of Israel. And His own people received Him not. So we have two different things going on here. In verse 10, we kind of have a uh, the world as a whole that has rejected Christ. In verse 11, it zooms in on Israel and it says, Even His own nation didn't receive Him. And do you know, listen, I love Jewish people. I love the Jews. I, I think that we as people... We need to be supportive of the nation of Israel. We need to be standing behind Israel. I'm not going to get into political things, but 
I'm telling you, as a whole, we, we need to be behind the nation of Israel. I love the Jewish people, but here's a couple of things. Some of the Jewish people that I know, non-believers and believers alike, they'll tell you that there are about three things that they grow up knowing for sure. And uh, I, I forgot what the other two were, but the second one was, you hate Jesus. That's what you're taught from the beginning. You hate Jesus. You don't like Jesus. Why? Because they still reject him today. Still reject him as a nation today. Over and over again, we're shown in the Bible that Jesus came for all. Listen, I believe that. I believe he came for everybody. I believe he came for every person. I believe his salvation is available to whosoever. You know why I believe that? Because he says it over and over and over and over again. But while the Bible shows that it came for everyone, the Bible also shows that unfortunately the majority are going to reject him. They have rejected him. They are rejecting him. They're going to reject him. That's not his doing. It's their doing. And the same is true today. You can speak of God publicly. You can, you can get away with a whole lot of things, but when you bring up the name of Jesus, folks start getting mad. You bring up the name of Jesus, you start praying in the name of Jesus, blood pressure starts going up. Kids start getting kicked out of school. or People start getting fired. Why? Because the world says today in harmony with Israel, we will not have this man to rule over us. Talk about God, that's general. That's fine. But when you get to Jesus, the Logos, the Creator, the Savior, the Way, the Truth, the Life, you start talking about Him, people get upset. Because to recognize who He is is to recognize at the same time our responsibility to receive Him. Amen. You see, if Jesus is the Savior, if He is the only way back to God, if He is the only way of salvation, then we've got a world in trouble because we've got a world who rejects Him. Now, I want to show you some hope, though. You see, not only do we have, in the first part, not only do we have uh, the representative of the light, not only do we have the rejection of the light, but in the last couple of verses, we have the recipients of the light. And we find that in verses 12 and 13. It says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that call or believe upon his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, while Jesus was rejected by Israel and the world as a whole, he has in every age been received by individuals. It is true of Israel. We can say of Israel that Israel as a whole has rejected Jesus, but not every individual person 
in Israel has rejected Jesus. We could say of the world, the world as a whole, the nations have rejected the Christ, have rejected the Savior. But that doesn't mean that every individual has. And what we have here is now we brought it down from a, a worldwide or a nationwide decision that has been made. And we brought it to the individual response of every human being. You see, Jesus is a personal Savior. Now the world's rejected him, Israel rejected him, but as many as, the ones who would believe, it says they were given the power to become the sons of God. Even while the world chooses to live in darkness, we find here that the light will shine into the heart of any person that will receive it. We find that the world has rejected Jesus. But it says in verse 12 that as many as received Him, it says He gave them power to become the sons of God, even to them, the ones that believe on His name. We see here that He, the Son of God, He authorized them to be made into the children of God. Who? Who has been authorized? Who's been given the authority or power to become the sons of God? At the end of verse 12 it says, those that believe on His name name. Listen, you have to understand this morning, salvation is not by appointment. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is not by birth. Salvation is not by, uh, by who you are, or who your family was, or whether you went to church or didn't go to church. It's not based on religion. It's not, none of that stuff. Amen. Salvation is always by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, how does a person become a child of God? It says He gave them the authority to become the children of God, but how do they literally become the children of God? Well, we find, as we continue reading verse 13, that they become the children of God when they're born of God. A spiritual birth has to take place. Anyone who receives Jesus uh, is authorized to become a child of God because they believe. We find that in verse 12. How then to become God's children? They're born. Verse 18, it says, who are born. Which are born. They're born. This birth does not occur as we read on it. It doesn't occur because of nationality. It's not by blood. It doesn't come by physical desire. It's not by the will of the flesh. Nor is it of one's parents. It's not the will of man. But this birth is of God. Amen. And Him alone. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse 105. He said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Did you catch that? He said, Thy word, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now I believe absolutely that's talking about the word of God, the, the written word of God. But I think we could transfer that into a, a greater truth today that Jesus, the Logos, the Word, came to give light unto the path of men. I want you to know today that the Word of God, Jesus came to earth to light the pathway back to God. Until you meet Him, you're going to stumble around in darkness. And then the Bible says that in death, you'll be cast into outer darkness. 
But I want you to know there's a way to the Father this morning. It's by knowing the light. It's by receiving and believing the light, Jesus Christ. Knowing and understanding that you are a sinner, you are guilty before God. Your whole life's been in darkness, but He came to bring light and salvation. He went to the cross. He shed His own blood for you. He gave His life for yours. The Bible is very clear that salvation is free to us when we believe. Let me tell you that are saved. Until you walk with Him, your life is still going to be characterized by darkness. The very darkness that He brought you out of. The answer today then is to surrender and receive the light. Listen, I want to say to those that may not know Christ this morning. If you don't know Christ, maybe you know about Him, maybe you heard about Him, maybe you even believe that He was real. But if you've never come to God in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you're in darkness today. But He came to bring light. He came to bring salvation. And I want you to know if you are a child of God, if you've been born of God by faith in Christ, but you're struggling with sin constantly, constantly struggling with, with in and out of, of walking with Him and not, I want you to know the answer today is the same as before. Faith in Christ. Devoting your life to Him. Walking with Him on a daily basis. That's why I sound like a broken record when I tell you over and over and over and over again, you've got to have that time with God every single day. You've got to spend time with Him. You, got to, you need to be in the Word and you need to be praying, but you're doing those as part of your relationship with God. Just like you talk to your friends or you talk to your family or you spend time with your loved ones, you spend time with God. How do you do that? By praying and by being in His Word and by coming into His presence and allowing Him to speak to you and speak to your situations and speak into your life. And listen, children of God, until we learn how to do that, until we allow Jesus to be the light of every path we walk down, we're constantly going to be stumbling over sin and self. And so today, the simple answer to either one, surrender, receive, believe, walk by faith in Jesus Christ.